yeah, that's noble. Welcome back to Quaid in Full, the podcast with all the fox to give about actor Dennis Quaid. I'm your host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm rating and reviewing every single audiovisual property in which Dennis Quaid has ever appeared. Our long dark night of the late 70s IMDb soul continues this week with a faulty progenitor of risky business, 1978's The Seniors. Before we get into that, which really will not take long, and you will understand why when I relate to you the plot, a quick jaunt over to the Department of Corrections. Last week, I asserted that our winning season lead, Scott Jacoby, was perhaps best known for playing Michael's Bornak on The Golden Girls, but a Twitter correspondent has informed me that Jacoby was also the lead in the notorious Bad Ronald. I cannot believe I forgot that. Bad Ronald is about, and I'm quoting the IMDb summary here, a perverted teenage boy who lives in the walls of a house. Younger listeners might be like, "Uh uh-huh. But if you were sentient in the late 70s and early 80s, you know that Bad Ronald was a capital T thing. Like, I named a squirrel that got stuck in the walls of my old house, Bad Ronald. Raccoons in the chimney of the Cape Rental? Bad rascals. All this by way of saying management regrets the error. I do welcome these notes and reminiscences about vintage product. Obviously, doing a whole podcast on them. So please let me know about these things at Quaid and Full Pod on Twitter. Speaking of regrettable errors, I doubt any of you has anything to share about the seniors. Or maybe it's just seniors. You see it both ways. IMDb says the seniors, so we'll go with that. Here's the plot. Compliments of a fellow traveler who's perhaps more in the target demographic for all the topless ladies. User stunt underscore rock at the betamaxrundown.com writes, quote, Four college guys about to graduate don't want to face the real world and decide to find a way to stay on campus forever. Larry, Ben, Steve, Alan, Dennis Quaid, and their live-in concubine Sylvia, Priscilla Barnes, Terry from Three's Company, quickly recruit the nerdy Alan and the professor he works for into a fake sex study. Let's hit pause on Stunt Rock summary for a moment so that I can make two notes. First of all, that is all sick. There are not two Alans. I believe that Stunt Rock meant to say the nerdy Arnold. Said nerdy Arnold is played, not particularly ably, by the gloriously monikered Rocky Flinterman, whose IMDb credits consist of this and the American Graffiti sequel. If I had to guess, the industry was like, uh, the William Cat who can sort of act is actually enough William Cats for us. The Professor, meanwhile, is played by Alan Reed. Another Alan. This is really an Alan. The voice of Fred Flintstone doing his best when you can't get Mel Brooks shtick in his last non-Hanna-Barbera role before his death. And no, I am not breezing past that concubine information. That's going to be the toughest part about graduating. Losing Sylvia. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it'll be like getting a divorce. We've had it for three years. We'll never find anyone like her again. A nympho who likes to cook and clean house. Wow, indeed. This exchange occurs amongst three of the housemates in the front seat of a Scooby van, the back of which contains a bed on wheels. Sylvia and their fourth housemate are getting it on in transit, and when they all arrive home, the bed is wheeled back inside. Because that's the easy way to do that. 
Priscilla Barnes has no lines in the seniors. She just bones the four housemates and Arnold and looks beatific in a series of peignoirs or when ironing while wearing an open chambray button-down with nothing on underneath except satin tap shorts. As you do. Although, actually, I will tell you that if I had those breasts, I would do that. Like, on the train. But let's return to Stunt Rock's plot summary. Quote, The boys take out an ad in the paper and get, quote, liberated chicks aged 18 to 21 to start coming in for the sex experiment. As a result, there's plenty of 70s chicks running around flashing their cans. Sick, just a reminder. After the showcase of cans, the boys realize that in order to keep the study going, they will need to recruit businessmen aged 25 to 40 to make donations and participate in the study. End quote, although I must reluctantly inform you that that is not the entire plot. Some of the businessmen are local bigwigs who want to invest, including a personal products tycoon whose board insists that the seniors use what is now a thriving Univac computerized cat house endeavor as a branding push for the company's hygiene products. These high question mark stakes question mark lead to a chase sequence that ends with the local bigwigs trapped in a limo that's stuck to a giant magnet on a construction crane then dropped into a river, at which time our, quote, heroes pack it in to become gigolos, whose clients are the bigwigs' widows. <sighs> There's also a deeply unfortunate runner in which Lynn Cartwright, a.k.a. older Dottie from the end of A League of Their Own, is functionally stalking the professor. But this is kind of typical of the seniors in a couple of ways. First, the movie often seems more at home with the mosquito-studying recluse professor and his erectile travails than with the college kids. Perhaps this won't be a surprise given that the film was written by Stanley Shapiro, who won an Oscar for Pillow Talk. Shapiro's best work wasn't behind him by any means, in my opinion, as he also wrote Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, a Poppy Fields movie right up there with, well, Interspace and Suspect, as far as how many times HBO aired them and I was then becalmed by them. But Shapiro's lane 20 years prior to the seniors was Doris Day movies. So his sensibility may not entirely have translated itself forward. The second way the academic lady turned sex maniac trope is typical of the seniors is related to the way Time Out London wrapped up its capsule review of the movie, calling it, quote, a satire of sorts. I found that claim laughable before I'd watched the seniors. Now, I think its author was onto something, although I'm damned if I can identify what sorts the satire is of. The Madonna horror complex, or ideas of it imposed on society by cishet men. The double-edged sword of women's so-called liberation. Capitalism? The seniors doesn't seem to hate women exactly, but if it's trying to send up the ways in which our agencies and desires, and everyone else is, honestly tend to get exploited literally and figuratively in post-Watergate America, maybe put women at the center of the story or in charge of any aspect of the storytelling? There is a dark humor to the film at times, as in this bit of a montage of, quote, co-eds, reading the ad inviting them to participate in this research study. Female students between 18 and 21 are needed to volunteer. Uncle Sam wants you. Uncle Sam once tried to get me. Luckily, my Aunt Sarah came home. Leave me out of it. 
That's a throwaway that is, I suspect, not really meant to examine anything, so the darkness is unearned. But the real overall problem is that the seniors wants to have it both ways, to show a lot of boobies and then to claim that that's a comment on something. And the fact that I just tried to do its work for it by wondering aloud for half a graph about what the lampoon topic might actually be speaks to how effective this strategy is. Having trouble justifying a literal parade of naked breasts? Just mutter something about Valerie Solanus and cash the check. Again, the seniors could be trying to say something about capitalist-slash-power systems. There are a couple of iterations of this line in the film. Right. America will buy bullshit. You just put it in an aerosol can and have John Wayne endorse it. And it's an enduring insight, but accidentally, and it may be less to the credit of the film than to the shame of our American consumer identity. I'm frankly not sure that sentence made sense, so I guess I'd better say it's a satire and sniff that you just didn't get it. Not taking my top off, though. You're welcome. The Seniors is, as a Carter-era artifact, far better to read about on IMDb than it is to watch, as the finished product is indulgently paced, feeling longer than its 87 minutes. Overall, it just seems under-supervised in both concept and execution. Better direction wouldn't have helped most of the actors here, let's face it, but it could have been attempted. It's mildly interesting to research while watching, and the pageant of excellent late 70s fashions and hairstyles is diverting. Other than that, pass. One and a half. Commissioner, Commissioner, you're a police officer. You're sworn to uphold law and order. There are times when the only way to protect the law is to break it. Uh-huh. So how quaity is this thing? That line is perhaps not the best exemplar of Dennis Quaid's work in The Seniors, but the dialogue he was given in his big shower scene with one of the, quote, subjects of study is rained on cheese and poorly miked to boot. Given that his character's one dimension is tumescence, you soon realize you shouldn't get your hopes up. Quaid does get to deploy that grin, capital T, capital G, several times, however, and he looks good in denim flares. And out of them, one scene threatens to liberate little Dennis, but does not deliver. The Allen role is comparatively Quaidy in that horndog's gonna horndog lane he sometimes occupies, but... It's not really on brand for a Quaid character to have to use a scheme this Rube Goldbergian to get it in. So let's call that a four and a half. We'll close out the month of October, fittingly, with a horror movie, Are You in the House Alone?, co-starring Blythe Danner and Ellen Travolta. Was it only the cat? I'll report back. In the meantime, check out the show notes for links to The Seniors, the various reviews I've mentioned, and more. And follow the podcast on Twitter at QuaidInFullPod, where you can dig Dennis's 70s butt cut, if not his actual 70s butt, and at me about your theories of satire and boobs and satire boobs. Wondering where your favorite Quaid joint is in the queue, or want to advertise on a specific film or TV show's episode? DMs are open. Quaid in Full is written, edited, and hosted by me, Sarah D. Bunting. Don't subscribe yet. What if I told you John Wayne endorsed it? Narrator, he didn't. Head to wherever you get your podcasts and sign up and rate and review Quaid in Full so other people can find it. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Oh, you're a real adult, aren't you?